Hello and welcome to the Apprentice Track podcast. The Apprentice Track is a year-long commitment for those who want to continue to learn what it means to be with Jesus, become like him and do the things he did. We do this by committing to daily, weekly and monthly practices that centre our lives around him. This podcast will feature both teachings from our monthly gatherings and different conversations that dig deeper into understanding what it really means to be an apprentice of Jesus Christ. This episode is taken from our opening weekend where we unpack the why, the heart behind the apprentice track and chat about our expectations for the year ahead. have a possibility of getting beyond the facade, the shallow facade that so often we are <coughs> present uh, and have present and receive from others. Anyone else? It's go deeper. Uh, Sorry, I couldn't grab that. <laughs> yeah, go deeper, like God, yes. like God go deeper in us. So yes. we're just speaking about like, God going around and checking the they like cracks that are like no foundation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. For like yeah. not for like pointing them up for like repairing them. Yeah. Giving God space to do what He needs to do in us to heal us to repair to cracks the foundations. Yes. Yeah. Brilliant. Anyone else? Run mm-hmm. and right or wrong answers, by the way. I'm not looking for it. There's no mark. I expect more enjoyment. 
This isn't actually about that. We are here because we've encountered him and we're hungry for more of him. And we want to bask in the goodness of his already acceptance. And to learn to receive it and to love it. Uh, but also to learn of him. But it is, as 
one or two of you have uh, intimated. It is a community. It is a communal effort. It's a team game. And I'm uh, delighted to report, sorry for the spoilers, close your ears if you don't want to hear, uh, that England have played a game. Freedom, internal and external freedom. We prayed about, or against, rather loneliness, and we prayed about uh, community, you could say, friendship. We prayed about unity. We prayed about liberation for those who are literally enslaved. We prayed about homelessness and people coming home. And we prayed that people would know their identity, would have confidence in the Father, and uh, one or two other things besides. And I guess I just want to say at the outset that the answers to those questions are right before you here. The goal of this next year is in part that we would become a community um, that would be that, that would be a community where there is unity, that would be a community where there is, we are able to be free to be ourselves, we're encouraged to be free to be ourselves, a community where people are welcomed in and able to find their home. Um, where people are, uh, have their foundation shored up and experience greater liberty within and are equipped and resourced and sent to become the answers to some of those problems around us as well. So it's a communal effort. Ultimately, this year is about learning and the clue is in the name. So we called this the Apprentice Track. And we did that primarily because we stole the name. <laughs> somewhere else we like to. Uh, but when you think about uh, apprenticeship, uh, if you're thinking biblically, immediately you're thinking of the word disciple. The word disciple in Greek comes from a, a mathetes, it comes from a Greek word manthana, which means to learn. And um, it's, a, it's a posture, to be a disciple is to be postured towards learning or to be an apprentice. So what we're really engaging in in the coming year is a journey of apprenticeship. It's a journey of learning. We are seeking to become in uh, more areas of our lives more fully disciples of Jesus Christ, which is to say we're submitting and surrendering our lives to him. And our goal, therefore, and our purpose, as I sort of intimated before, this is not actually about Project Self. This is about Project Kingdom. Mm -hmm. This is about the Kingdom of God. And we will benefit in the midst. We will grow, we will be uh, changed, we'll be transformed, but our goal and our vision is to see the kingdom of God advance in us and beyond us. And that means taking up the posture of a learner, being open and hungry and humble for what God has what Jesus has for us as he teaches us and as he takes us on this journey of formation to use kind of a spiritual a spiritual disciplines language the language of formation or to make it a little bit more sexy transformation transformation to sound a bit more exciting this isn't ultimately um, about us but we will in the midst of what God has for us be transformed. And I guess I want to look at, just this morning for the next 20 minutes or so, the process, um, if it can be called a process, uh, probably it can't, but let's just use that word for now. 
uh, the process by which and through which Jesus brings his disciples, his uh, Mephetes, along with him on his journey of uh, seeing the kingdom come. Because I think there are a few themes that I, I'd love just to draw out. And I want to say this morning that this particular process is more important now, I think, or as important now as it's ever been. What strikes me about what Jesus does is he picks people who have very little experience, uh, seemingly, in kingdom work. And within a matter of, well, less than five years, they are, uh, most of them, spread across uh, the Mediterranean world and sort of changing the world about them. And he picked them up as sort of fishermen and, uh, and people just surrounding him. And he was able, in a very short period of time, to shift them and actually release them into leadership. And part of what we want to do here is absolutely about leadership. And I think the question of how we form or transform and release people into leadership in our society is so important today uh, for reasons that I might get to a little bit later. So, I want to suggest this morning uh, that there are, there are a few stages, at least, in this journey of uh, learning, this journey of discipleship. And if you'd open your Bible, if you haven't, or just um, find your phone and open your Bible app, whatever is easiest right now for you. We're going to just look together a few verses in Mark's Gospel. And beginning in chapter 1. From about verse, oh, let's start from verse 14. And I'm going to do what uh, preachers do and just sort of just pick the bits that enforce my point. <laughs> so uh, I do know that there's a lot more that could be said about uh, what I'm about to read, but I'm going to illustrate the bits that I want to illustrate. Uh, but I certainly don't think that. Uh, what Jesus is saying stands in contradiction to what I'm saying. But this is what we read. Mark 1, verse 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God, or the gospel. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Okay, so right at the heart of the gospel, right at the start of the gospel, is a message of good news. And Jesus, having just arrived on the scene, Having been baptized, having been tested, having had his identity revealed, I believe you talked about that last night, having received from the Father the uh, unequivocal declaration of his sonship before God, Jesus, and having seen his cousin John put in prison, Jesus knows that the time is now that this is, and maybe I'm just sort of. Um, uh, being slightly influenced by what I've watched all week as I've been sick in bed, Doha, the <laughs> athletics. I just imagine Jesus on the starting blocks here, and, and as John is in prison, he just hears this like bang go off, and he's in, in, even within his back, his time. And he just gets off the blocks and he's into his race, and he sees the three years or so set before him, and he preaches and begins to preach. A message which is a, a message of good news and it is a message that fundamentally concerns, as I said, not project self, not how do you become more uh, lovable to God, how can you be somebody of influence in your world, how can you live your best life now? No, it was none of this stuff. It was all about the 
kingdom of God. It was all about what God was doing. It was all about who God was. It was all about the coming rule and reign of God that was clearly needed. And that's what we were praying about, wasn't it? It's not enough to see the world the way it is. It's not enough. We need a greater measure, a greater inbreaking in the kingdom of God. Jesus looked around him and said that, and that was his message, that the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. That was Jesus' fundamental message about the inbreaking <coughs> kingdom of God. What fascinates me about what Jesus does is a, about what Jesus does next is that he begins with something which I just would never, I don't know about you, I probably would never have thought to do. And this is what we read from verse 16. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I'll send you out to fish for people. And once they left their nets, and followed him. When he'd gone a little further, Father, he saw James, a son of Zebedee, and his brother John in the boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. So Jesus has just announced his kingdom agenda. He has just had his conference speech. And. The very next thing he does as he's walking, he's taking his daily stroll, trying to do his 10,000 steps for his fit bit. And he sees a couple of young people, people probably a decade younger than many of us, just hanging out with their father, doing what they do day in, day out. And he said, there, my guys, come follow me. Jesus said, and I'll send you out to fish for people. So for Jesus, it begins with leadership. It begins with, fundamentally, the journey of learning, the journey of discipleship begins with an encounter. An encounter between Jesus and somebody else. In this case, we have four. Somebody, Simon, Andrew, James, and John. And at the heart of discipleship, at the heart of learning about Jesus, and all the good stuff that has transformation, at the heart of the kingdom, Project at the heart of all of that is fundamentally God showing up in the person of Jesus and meeting people and seeing having a face-to-face encounter with people. That's what it's about. That is the reason that we are here. I mean, it, it struck me as you, you guys were worshiping our eyes, bragging myself out there. It struck me that how many people are on that side of the glass, just continually going past, they're walking past. They're in the buses, they're in cars, and they're on the way to town, and they're on the way to Mansfield, wherever it is they're going. Why are they that side of the glass and we this side of the glass? Why? I mean, we don't know everything about all of them, but we're not here because we're morally better. We're not here because we're different in any essential way. We're here fundamentally because there was a moment for us where we met God. We encountered Jesus. That was the, that's, the re, that's the heart you dig back. You've got a story. And you might not tell that story to yourself very often. But there is a story. It's an unfolding story. It's still happening. We're still in it. We're still meeting him. But there's a, there's a reason we're here. And it has fundamentally to do with the encounter. And that's why Simon, Andrew, James and John begin this journey with Jesus. There is an encounter. 
That's what caused these disciples to say yes to Jesus. And what they do in saying yes is to leave behind everything they've ever known. Discipleship, learning, apprenticeship, whatever synonym you choose to use begins with a meeting, with an encounter. It begins with, and it is, it is an intimate encounter. It is an encounter in which Jesus uses our name and invites us to come and follow. And that's why we're here. And that's what happened for me. I could tell you my story. Certainly we all have a story which will differ, but we'll have overlapping themes. That's the first stage in the journey. And, and what we're going to be this year, <coughs> what we're going to be about is a community that continually prioritises that. That moment, those moments, those day-to-day, month-to-month, week-to-week, your meals, we'll talk about more about that in the next session, but we're going to be a, a place and a people who prioritise encounter. Now, for all of us, that's going to look different. You know, there are so many different ways in which God chooses to show up and meet with us. Some of us are from a more charismatic background. And unless there's a Bethel tune, it's really tough to imagine <laughs> an encounter with God. I am of that persuasion. <laughs> I will admit. Some of us less so. That's not how we're used to encountering with God. For some of us, it's more contemplative. For some of us, it's, it's more about, hey, I just need to get away from people. <laughs> you know, solitude and contemplation, that's like your thing. And maybe that's partly your personality, you're more introverted. Uh, maybe it's just how God's just been faithful to show himself to you over the years. For some of you, you're just a raving, you're a raving extrovert. And the possibility of anything positive happening, let alone meeting with the living God, without people being around, <laughs> is just, is just a possibility. However we're built, we are going to be a bad encounter this year. And... We're going to be finding different ways of meeting with God. We're going to be learning and developing a vocabulary of encounter. Ways of doing this uh, in community, as was said, uh, that, are, that are different um, and maybe that are going to stretch you. It is at its heart about <coughs> Why is it about encounter? Why is fundamentally the Christian faith about because the Christian faith is fundamentally about God. It's about God. God is the only interesting thing about Christianity. He's the only interesting thing. Take God out of it and all we're left with is us. And we have enough us. The only interesting thing about the Christian faith is God. And so we're just going to make space and time. We're going to do this on our own. We're going to do this together. We're going to do this Daily, we're going to do this weekly, we're going to do this monthly, annually, we're going to go on a retreat, and we're going to create space with God. Because God is the one that's going to do all of this. He's the one, He's the one, always begins with Him. And so we, like Simon, he wanted to call him Peter, which is valid, <laughs> Andrew, James, and John, we're just here to respond. He's invited us, He said to us this year, come and follow me. And we've, we've said, yeah, we're in. At a new level, we're in. We're going to drop the next this year, and we're in. And we're up for encounters. So that's the first thing, encounter. Now, quite quickly, after Jesus gets a little bit of a, a crew together, 
and he began to teach them. This is verse 21 now. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy it? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly, come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they, were, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went up to her, took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wait on her. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who were ill and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. Jesus healed many of various diseases. He also drove out many demons. But he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. So the next phase, the next stage of the journey of a learner, the journey of an apprentice after we've had and uh, prioritised the encounter is a season or a period or an attitude or a posture of formation, or as I said, transformation. And what fascinates me about what Jesus does is he just invites them into the life that he's already got ahead of him, the life that he's going to be in, and begins with teaching. He goes into the synagogue, it's Sabbath, it's time to go. And as a rabbi does, he, he would be seated and he just begin to teach. And his disciples are just there watching him. And, and what they and all the people who are there with him in the, in the synagogue begin to remark upon is the authority that Jesus has. But he doesn't just talk a good game. Jesus has also got, also got the capacity to, to teach with his actions. And so he does that. He casts out an impure spirit. He moves on after that. Uh, with Peter's mother-in-law and heals her and then he goes on and just continues this ministry and we have demon-possessed people, people that he's healing all over the place. Like Jesus is forming his disciples by taking them on the journey with him. And the second part of this year, after we recognize it's about God, it's about encountering God again and again and again and again, it's also about being formed and transformed into his image. By just journeying with him. With him in community, yes, but with him. This is about watching him do what he does. This is about being with him. Ultimately, this is about knowing him. Because it's knowing him that, that leads to transformation. It's about intimacy. Somebody said that in town. So it's about, it's about develop, developing greater intimacy with Jesus. It's about knowledge. Now this... Last Saturday, last Sunday, forgive me, uh, and my wife and I had our, our 12th anniversary, and um, I got her a card. <laughs> Received one in return. 
there, there's always hope. <laughs> um, now, I, I, you know, I've got, I've got to know Amy pretty well over the last 12 years. There's still a lot I don't know. There's still quite a lot I don't understand. <laughs> uh, we, we have divergent characteristics and habits and personalities that I am I, I'm more toward the sort of controlling end of the spectrum that's my sin of choice is like <laughs> that hers is just she's more spontaneous uh, I, do, I think she's just fundamentally quite a lot better um, <laughs> Where I'm going with this, I think, <coughs> is that I, I knew Amy. When we got married 12 years ago, I knew her. I knew quite a lot about her. I knew where she grew up. I knew a bit about her family and all those kinds of things. I knew her little names. I knew much, how much debt she was bringing into our marriage. <laughs> she, she knew corresponding figures for me. I knew she also had a tent, and I knew various things about her, right? <laughs> but over the last it's true. Over the last twelve years, I, I I now know her in just a completely different way. That there are there are fundamentally two different kinds of knowing, and actually other languages capture this, don't they? Anyone speak French or Spanish yet, or Latin? <laughs> in in Spanish, it's Italian. I'm sure this is the same. But, uh, do you have a word that's like in Italian, like conocer? In Spanish, do you have conocer. Yeah. And what was that? That's like to know when you know someone, but I just I know you, like okay, I know who you are. No, like fact, you know facts. Yeah, 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 I know facts. And then you have a word like saber. Saber. Yeah. And what does that mean? Uh, it's like when you know back to something. Yeah. Okay. So I I know about you, but I that way I'm like I know deeper you, so I right. So I saw about you. So the second kind of knowing is like personal knowing, it's intimate knowing. It's the kind of knowledge you develop in and in, you can only develop it through intimacy. Time journey, through relationship, it's, it's personal knowing. When the Bible talks about knowing stuff, this is the, this is the knowledge. And I, you know, it's before the watershed, but when it says in the Bible that Adam knew Eve, it means that he really got to know her well. It's personal, intimate knowing. That's the knowing that leads to transformation. That's the knowing that Jesus is inviting his disciples into, to be around him, to get covered in his dust, to learn how he does everything, to watch it intimately and closely. And that's the knowing that leads to transformation. And that is the knowing that we're invited into this year. Not just with him, but actually with each other to, to some degree. And we're, we are going to be in different pockets. We are within different churches. That, I think, is one of the great things of this year. Really, I think that's going to be profoundly beneficial for all of us because we all represent, in our different churches, we represent different parts of the heart of God, don't we? And actually, we're also being invited to see a bigger knowing taking place. It's about... Knowing. And it's this kind of intimate knowing of God that is transformational. So it is encounter, therefore, that leads to transformation. Um, last night we talked about identity. Calvin makes the connection between knowledge of God 
and greater knowledge of ourselves. He says, nearly all the wisdom we possess, that is to say, true and sound wisdom, consists of two parts, the knowledge of God and of ourselves. Accordingly, the knowledge of ourselves not only arouses us to seek God, but as it were, leads us by the hand to find And so what we see is that there is an intricate, intimate connection between the knowledge of God and the knowledge of ourselves. As we discover more of Him, as we encounter Him, so we find more truly who we are, which only then leads us back to a greater reflection and discovery of Him. That virtuous cycle of transformation is the one that we're invited on to, to encounter Him, to be transformed by Him. And we're going to do that together as we encounter each other, as we meet new people, new faces, Formation always happens in community. And as we discover new practices, new ways of living, Jesus, remember, draws, well, whether or not he intends to or not, I don't know, he takes his disciples with him on his solitary prayer walk. I imagine this is the first time, I, this is of course not in the Bible, but I imagine it's like Jesus hasn't realised until this moment what the disciples will cost him. He's like, he's got his discipline of prayer. He's on his own every morning with the Father. And then he invites these guys along and he sort of like gets up in the morning forgetting he's done it. And then he finds that there they are interrupting his prayer time. <laughs> if any of you have children, you know this is the truth. I have, I, I had, there were four people in my bed last night. Four people. One of them was my wife. And two of them were my children. And it, it, this was weird. At one o'clock in the morning, our dog joined us. <laughs> and I thought that was, is that a dream? And was no, I had to send her downstairs. She's not allowed upstairs. She, as far as I'm aware, doesn't come upstairs. <laughs> and there she was, anyway. <laughs> and when I had my prayer time in the morning, I, I had this vision of being completely solitary and, you know, this beautiful communion. And then my kids are just in and out every couple of minutes. Then my dog opens the door, she's in and out. That's what, that's what happened to Jesus. That's where his kids are by his life. I don't know where I was going with that. But he's bringing them along with him. And that's what God's going to do for us this, this year. He's going to bring us along with him in a new way on this journey together. And we're going to go there together. Journey with Jesus to encounter him, to be transformed and formed as we witness what he's doing. And then thirdly, to join in. To join in. And Jesus does that. Verse 38, we see it already happening here. I'm going to jump to verse uh, to chapter 3 in a second, but just look at this with me. Jesus replied, verse 38 of chapter 1, Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages, so that I can preach to that all. So let us go. Already it's begun. It's not an I, it's an us. And at this point, Jesus is the one that's going to do preaching so that I can preach that also. But quite quickly, in fact, in chapter 3, verse 13, this is what we read. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called him those he wanted. And they came to him. He appointed twelve that they might be with him. And that he might send them out to preach. And, ha- and to have authority to drive out demons. In other words, in the space of really one and a half chapters, Jesus has shared the job out with his disciples. They've encountered him. In fact, they're perpetually encountering him. They've found, uh, they've uh, fed upon his authority, his teaching. They've joined in. They've been formed by it. They've prayed with him. They've been shaped by him. 
But before the project is finished, before they come to fullness in it, they've been sent out to join him, to do the stuff that he's been doing. Encounter leads to transformation, which leads to joining him, which leads to greater encounter. We meet him as we're doing his work, which leads us to be transformed into his image, which leads us then to hunger and thirst to see him more at work, and it just becomes this virtuous cycle. And it is that cycle that you and I are invited into this year. This year is about meeting with God. There will be some of you that have a life-changing series of uh, encounters this year. I think everyone will have a new encounter, a new sense of revelation of who God is for them and, and, and in them and through them. And because of that, we will be formed, we will be changed. We don't know how. <laughs> some of us, some of us, our, our prayer lives are going to get wackier. <laughs> you know, with a, with, a, with a candle burning type. We might find ourselves praying for people on the streets this year. Leading people to faith on the streets. We might see kingdom coming that way. For some of us, we are, no, with a, with a charismatic, sign me up. Um, that, that's what I'm going for. And we might find actually a movement into a different way of praying that, that adds, adds a, an, another layer to that heart, spirit out there worship that we've already got. We just find that God is actually doing something else to build a new depth, a new level to that. You know? that, that might be our journey. But it's both are encounter. Both of what God has. Yes, we'll be formed and we will be sent. There is good work for us to do this year. And I guess I want to end with a reflection on what I see. Because what I personally hope for this is that you come out with this more certain about God who he is and how he loves you, but also more certain about the contribution you have to make in the world. And what I think I'm seeing around us, that we're in, a, a, I think, a, well, in my lifetime, feels unique in terms of um, just a time of shaking. Um, I don't know if you feel that, I feel that, and it could be just because I've been ill in the last week and I just have actually spent quite a lot of the week just shaking. <laughs> But we thought, didn't we, our political parties were eternal? We thought there'd always be the Conservative Party and the Labour Party. And it's quite possible that in, in the next weeks that the particular arrangement of political parties will be changed. That's possible. We have an election, we could end up with something completely different. We thought parliamentary democracy would, would last our whole lifetime. We don't know that it's about to disappear, but it's gridlock. It always works, and it always works until it stops working. <laughs> Many of us maybe thought the Church of England would exist always, and it's doing all right, but let's be honest, there's some real issues that we're facing as a church. And what strikes me when I look at our culture is how the institutions that we've relied on are being shaped. Almost every major institution has been shaped in some kind of scandal in the last 15 years. And when I look at our institutions, and see the point of institutions is to create a sustained culture. That's what they're for. And a particular part of the calling on an institution, therefore, is to create leaders. 
And what I see at the moment is institutions that are struggling, that are really struggling to do that. Or struggling to create the right kind of leaders for the world and the situation that we see before us in the world. We have, since the digital revolution, there has been more cultural change. Just as it happens in every revolution, the industrial revolution was the same. Even <coughs> uh, the, the revolution that happened when the printing press uh, uh, was born, it was the same. We are in a point of revolution. The digital revolution has changed the way everything is. And the institutions that we've had up to this point are struggling to build the leaders who can lead in this new world. And one of the things I think the greatest gifts the church has given and is to give to the world is great leaders. And my hope for this, for this apprentice track, is that in some small way we might, we might begin to push forward in helping you guys grow in your contribution in leadership in this nation. That's lofty. It's grandiose. I'm not saying that one of you will be prime minister by the end of the year. <laughs> that might not be a good outcome for you. <laughs> Maybe not for our nation just yet. But it may be some of you are called to politics. And what would a year focusing on encountering God and being formed in his likeness? Joining this purpose is what would that look like? How might that shift and shape the future? Some of you will be called to healthcare. Some of you have been called to the church. And there'll be all sorts of, up to the arts, there'll be all sorts of different spheres into which you feel called. This will not be wasted if you spend your time focusing on the presence of God and he, he spends his time forming you for what he has to do. I'd love to pray. And then I think we're going to have coffee. If there are any questions, maybe we'll just have a couple of minutes of questions. But why don't I pray? Father God, if there has been anything shared in the last half an hour that is to land, that you would put your Holy Spirit behind, would you land it, Lord, in our lives? Would you plant it at the beginning of this year in our hearts? And would it, as it's buried there, would it across the next year germinate? at the right time. And look, all the fluff, all the stuff that uh, felt like a good idea to say but wasn't inspired by you, I just trust and pray that it will just fall to the side. But I do ask that by your grace, this will be a year where in these, your sons and daughters' lives, your kingdom would advance. That you would cause unity to be birthed in this room, that you would release the freedom that comes from knowing who we are and who you are, and that you would pour out your Holy Spirit that we might encounter you, be transformed by you, and join in in the particular purposes that you have for us as individuals and as a group. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Apprentice Track podcast. If you want to find out more about what we're doing, follow us on Instagram at The Apprentice Track or visit our website at www.youngerleadershipcollege.org.